The Car Guys Report is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. This past weekend was my... 28th anniversary and Bridget and I make a point of going somewhere every year for Mm -hmm. our anniversary uh, just because you know we love to travel and we love to eat and drink Mm -hmm. and and we love being away from the kids right and this weekend and you love being with each other Yes. Didn't I say that already? I thought that was the first thing. I thought that was the first thing I said. Oh, you meant, but that's fine. You're a busy guy. Busy guy. Um, Yikes. Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie show on the Radio Misfits podcast network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and welcome to yet another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We're inside the Car Guys Report studio, which is uh, nestled inside the Car Guys Report warehouse. And if you hear a slight humming in the background, that is the uh, space heater that we have going. It is a bit chilly here in the warehouse at times, so... uh, Lou was kind enough to bring in a, a space heater because we're both kind of skinny guys, so we need our all the warmth we can get, and you've got your sweatshirt on, I've got my jacket on, so we're ready to roll here, right, Lou? Ready. <laughs> Good. Um, we always like to open the show with just a little bit of chit-chat as far as what's going on in uh, our car world, and I've got a bit of news. Um, I uh, This is the first time I've actually done this. Um, where I've actually traded in a car and just gotten the same exact car, but just newer. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was looking at my uh, 2012 Fiat uh, 500, which I bought. It'll be uh, eight years uh, almost to the day when we're re- since when we're recording this program that you're listening to right now. It was right at the end of 2011 that I purchased that vehicle. And I started thinking, God, the car is eight years old already. I can't believe it. I didn't have a lot of miles on it. I had like 32,000 miles on it. But... Uh, you know, there's just some, you know, I, I, unlike some people, I pay attention to the, the maintenance schedules and, and when big things are coming up, like timing belts and things like that. And luckily, I mean, the, the car is amazing. It, it, it requires or uh, a timing belt change either by, by mileage or age. A lot of people don't go by the age part. They always go by the mileage part. But it was eight years was the, was the mark for the uh, timing belt. Um, and I was thinking I actually, you know, passed that. Uh, back in the fall, and I thought I could probably safely go another year. But I started thinking, you know, if I'm going to do that and there's a few other things I want to get done, you know, that could be a couple thousand dollars worth of of maintenance on the car. And I started thinking, I know Fiat 500s aren't selling that well. They're going to discontinue the car after this year, at least selling it here in the States. So I thought, you know, what the heck, I'll see what I can do. And lo and behold, uh, a couple days later, I had a 2019 <laughs> Fiat 500 in my driveway. Basically, the exact same car that I bought uh, previously. I wanted just the base model, which is the Pop. And the only real option I wanted on it was the automatic transmission because I didn't want to be shifting. And I was real happy with uh, the experience I had with, with that car. I mean, I it was still on its original battery eight years later which is amazing and that car is never plugged into a battery tender it sits outside all the time never let me down in eight years it's been a really good car so i thought okay i'll, I'll just get the new one and actually it's so far it's been a it's been a good experience it has uh, a couple more options on it than i than i had on the other one it still has the automatics it's a six-speed japanese made asin automatic a great great transmission this one actually has automatic climate control which is nice and it has an auto-dimming rearview mirror. And what it appears that Fiat has done with the, the newer 500s is they kind of got rid of the base uh, trim level. that They still call it a pop, but the pop now has the front and rear fascias that the sport model had. So it has, um, it, it has the rear diffuser, which is underneath the uh, rear bumper. That comes standard now. That's something I added to my other car. It has the spoiler on the back, which, again, is something I added um, it has driving lights standard up front, which is, again, something I added to my other car. So it has a bunch of stuff that I didn't have on my car originally that I added. So it was coming more actually fil- fully equipped as a pop than, than the 2012 model I had. also has the alloy wheels and the 195, 45, 16-inch tires that um, the Sport model had, which, again, I, I had added to my previous uh, pop. And so far, it's been a great car. The biggest... Um, 
improvement that they made is uh, all the Fiat 500s are now turbocharged. So the original 1.4 liter uh, engine in my 2012 was putting out right around 100 horsepower and 100 pound-feet of torque, which I always felt was fairly sufficient. I never really wanted for more power, but I know that would be probably be one of the biggest complaints of the car. So they turbocharged that engine now, and it's 135 horsepower, so that's a, a one-third more horsepower, and it's got 150 pound-feet of torque, so 50% more torque. And those are significant improvements uh, percentage-wise, and it really does transform the car. The car is, is, it just seems like it's better to me, it seems like it's better mated to the automatic transmission too. You can actually feel it down shift a little bit when you're coming up to a stop uh the way they've got it uh, programmed with the engine and to me that's sportier it just feels better and it's it's been awesome so far it's it's a very similar color um my original one was an argento which is a kind of a whitish silver and this one is called pompeii silver it's kind of a smoky slightly smoky silver which looks great and the interior is black and gray it's got kind of a check uh pattern on the uh the part where you sit and then the backrest and the rest is black around that and then it's got red piping or red trim around the seats and then the headrests which are actually kind of cheesy on this car they're just they're basically like vinyl headrests but they're red so it looks it looks really cool and so far it's been a it's been a good um it's been a good experience and i think i got you know we'll talk about this at some point you know the whole car show thing or car dealer thing but i went back to the place that i had purchased my other fiat from because i had a, a pretty decent experience there and, and it was actually a painless experience and the, the nicest thing that i like is and this happened eight years ago when i test drove my first fiat 500 and this happened again at the same dealer when i got uh ended up test driving the car that i ended up buying is the fact that you just come in and they and they basically just copy your take a copy of your driver's license and then they just give you the keys and you know you don't have a salesperson with you so if i really wanted to i could have just driven off and <laughs> just keep my old car i'll see you later but i mean i like that level of trust because uh, i mean i'm sure they have ways to track you down if you do that but i just like that because sometimes you go into a dealer and you got the the sales guy sitting right next to you and he's telling you where to turn and and how far to go and you get you know you can't really like do the stuff that you want to do with the car like you know floor it see what it goes like jam on the brakes you know take a couple of corners fast pull off to a side street open up the hood and kick the tires and all that kind of stuff so it's been a good experience so far and we'll be what's, reporting what's the uh front wheel drive or rear wheel it's drive? a front wheel drive yeah, yeah. it's okay. it's it's a great you know it's a small car it's a perfect urban runabout if you live in a city like if you live in downtown chicago this car would be awesome for that i mean you can park this thing anywhere and it's peppy and it's fun it's got just got character for a real small car it, it's it's exciting to drive and it's well made um the, the the Fiat 500 sold here in the states are are assembled in Mexico, and my first 500, uh, the transmission, like I said, is Japanese. The engines and the first ones were made in uh, Detroit, and the turbo engines now are made in Italy, which is which is nice. And um, I mean, the thing that blew me away when I bought my original one was, you know, you look under the hood, and I think I've, we've talked about this on a previous episode of the Car Guys Report. Um, you see all the fasteners and the bolts under the hood and they're all you know got like double and triple chalk marks on them because it's like i felt that it was fiat really making a concerted effort coming back into this country after being out for 20 years or whatever it was or even longer that they wanted to make sure the quality and the and the build quality and the reliability and everything was there and they're you know making sure that these cars were being assembled properly and like i said i you know i had a really good experience with the first one and hopefully with this next one you know knock on wood i'll uh, i'll have a, a a decent experience as well but it's a fun car and they did a lot of little tiny little incremental improvements inside the car too they it has like a light now that shines down onto the cup holders at night it has uh on the dead what i call the dead pedal the um where the uh fender well intrudes into the passenger compartment that's where you want to uh rest your left foot and that's typically called a dead pedal they did not have they had a you know the area where you could put your foot but they didn't have any kind of pad or or anything on there now they have a a, a pad on there so it's a proper dead pedal now just a lot of little stuff like that that proves that they were thinking and saying hey that we can do this better we can modify this the radio is different um it's got um 
a backup camera now standard too, which is something I didn't have before. So it's nice to see that they were uh, willing to uh, improve the car incrementally too over the years. And I'm just unfortunate that I don't know what the reason was why they decided to pull it from the market because they're still going to sell the 500X, and which is the uh, uh, cousin to the Jeep Renegade. It's a small crossover SUV. And then they're still going to sell that god-awful Fiat 500L, which is this, this ugly thing that looks kind of like a minivan and I don't know who buys those because I never see them on the road. And I also heard that they might be um, discontinuing here in the States the the uh, 124 Spider, which is called the Fiata, because it's built on a, a Miata chassis. It's got a different engine, different body styling, but it's still the Miata chassis. That's a great car. Again, they haven't I haven't seen that many out there, so I'm not sure where the future is going to go for Fiat in the States, but... You know, I'm lamenting the fact that, you know, they pulled the, the 500. So that's another reason I think maybe I wanted to get a brand new one because, um, you know, I like the car and I want to see it soldier on for a while. So that's my long-winded introduction, Lou, to the uh, new Fiat 500 that I got and the uh, Car Guys Report stable. And we'll definitely be... Um, reporting more on that as things go on be sure to tell a friend about the car guys report it's available online at radiomisfits.com you can follow us at car guys podcast on twitter and also email us anytime we loved getting your feedback on the show at car guys report at hotmail.com you know one thing uh, we've talked about lou i know you're a big batmobile fan and i'm uh, one of these geeks that likes to watch uh, 1970s, 60s, and 70s uh, uh, crime police uh, detective type shows like Cannon and Hawaii Five-0 and Barnaby Jones because half the fun is seeing the cars. And a lot of these um, shows, especially the ones that I just mentioned, the uh, cars were uh, supplied by Ford Motor Company. So usually you just see a lot of LTDs and things like that. Cannon always drove a Lincoln Continental. Occasionally you'll see a Ford uh, a, uh Pantera uh, on the show because they were sold through Ford dealers and they had the the Ford engine in them. And a show that I I like watching is the original Hawaii Five-0, debuted in 1968, of course, with Steve McGarrett and um, Jack Lord playing Steve McGarrett. And my girlfriend grew up in Hawaii, so she has kind of a connection to that show, too. Not that she was never an extra or anything on it, but it's funny because we'll be watching a, a, you know, a rerun of, of one of the original shows, and she'll be, they'll be driving along, and she'll go, they're going the wrong way, because yeah. <laughs> they're saying where they're going, and she knows exactly that they're going the wrong way. But to their credit, though, she did say that they really got the, basically the culture down, uh, the colloquialisms down, and the fact that they always pronounced every Hawaiian name, whether it's a street name or a, a person's name or whatever, they always pronounced everyone's name correctly on the show, which was great. I mean, that shows that they did their homework. It was somewhat cut, uh, filmed on a budget, though, at times, partly because I think they were a little hamstrung because they made a point that all the... Uh, original Hawaii Five O's were filmed 100% in Hawaii. They didn't do like any post production or shoot some scenes in uh, in Hollywood. They, everything was done out there. And and being 1968, it's like before Hawaii became a huge tourist destination. Actually, they've credited Hawaii Five O with kind of helping to begin the tourist trade in Hawaii more than it was at the time. But anyway, this long winded introduction I'm getting around to is during the show. McGarrett drove actually three cars in the very, very first episode, uh, first season, and only like a couple of uh, episodes. He, he had an actually he had a Mercury Marquis Coupe. It was used in the pilot, and then you'll also see throughout pretty much the first season some of the, the, the cutaway fill shots where he'll get into a four-door, then he'll be whizzing by in the two-door, then he'll come back and he'll get out of the four-door. And like, how does that work? And that was a cool car because it was a, a black uh, vinyl roof, a black body, and I believe it had a red interior with white wall tires, a hard top. But the, the car that most people associate Jack Lord driving on uh, Hawaii 5 is the 1968 Mercury Park Lane Brome, triple black, black uh, vinyl top, black interior, and black body, big four-door hard top. And he used that for the first six seasons. And then in 1974, he got a new car. It was another Mercury marquee it was a brome and that one was triple black too and it was in the news recently online that that 1974 uh mercury park uh mercury marquee brome is in need of restoration it's actually been languishing more or less in hawaii they had some pictures of it online and because of the salt air and and basically just not a real caring environment the uh, car has just been kind of sitting in a um 
in a warehouse or something, but it's actually owned by uh, the guy that was Jack Lord's stunt double, and he's still alive. And this is interesting. I'll just read some of this uh, uh, verbatim from the um, article that appeared online because it's really interesting. I think you you will enjoy this. Uh, Actually, they said the 1968 car, this could be something you could try to look up for my car story with Lou. It's been fully restored, and it actually is owned by a guy named Michael Timothy, and he lives in Illinois. And I don't know where he lives, but he's got the original 1968 car, which has been done. And that's totally cool. And it says here, ordinarily, it's common practice for film and television production to have multiples of the main hero car. Like the Dukes of Hazard was notorious for having a bunch of Dodge Chargers. And it says Magnum P.I. got a new Ferrari 308 every season. But they said... Um, for Hawaii Five-0, they didn't have such a thing, so the cars just got basically beat to crap during the uh, filming of each episode. And then, if something happened to them, if they got crashed or scratched or whatever, they just said they would basically they had a production team mechanic, and he would <laughs> put the cars back together and just keep them going. And that's why, in some of the uh, as the cars age in, in the subsequent seasons, you can see like dull paint on the doors, and like sometimes McGarrett will slam his door, and you see the the, the mirror jiggle around on the door. It's just hilarious, and. And they said that uh, somewhere they said here that there was actually um, on some of the uh, and I've never seen this because I've been looking since I read it. They said that there's a trailer hitch on one of these Mercury marquees because they actually used it to to haul around some of the film equipment to each location. And I've been looking on on, as I watch the the shows. I haven't I I assume it'd be a, a box end receiver. I don't know if it'd be just a ball hook but i haven't seen that yet on the cars but they said that was one thing but anyway so this guy named uh john nordlum he was the longtime stunt double for steve mcgarrett and when uh the show went off the air in 1980 uh mcgarrett steve steve or jack lord steve mcgarrett his character steve mcgarrett jack lord the actor said that he wanted to have nordlum have this car because he was with this guy for a long time and they had a you know a a relationship from the whole 12 seasons of the show and he's got the car now it says nordlum drove his marquee commuted to the magnum set in it and later had a job teaching english at a local high school and he's uh had a varied and interesting life ranging from a dive instructor with astronaut buzz aldrin to teaching carol burnett how to drive in a red ford thunderbird so it's cool and the guy's oh i i don't know how old he is he looks like he, he could be in his 80s maybe right now and he's got the car oh actually i'm sorry he died last year so it says uh, he died in uh of parkinson's disease in the spring of 2018 so that's why um the the car is, is available now because they realize that um they want to do something with it so this michael timothy guy who we mentioned earlier who's got the restored 1968 mercury marquee from um from Hawaii Five O, he launched the John Nordlum Five O Foundation. It's a registered nonprofit dedicated to restoring and preserving the 1974 Mercury Marquee. It says Timothy has secured a parts car, had the car professionally assessed, and thinks that the total restoration will be about forty thousand dollars. And some of the pictures they showed online, like a lot of the trim is just really pitted from the salt air and corrosion and things like that. So um, they want to keep it. It's in Hawaii on Oahu and. Um, you know, right now they're just uh, looking for uh, donations and, and things like that. But if you want to just look it up online, you can look up uh, either just Hawaii Five O, uh, you know, Mercury, 1974 Mercury, or this uh, gentleman that is launching this foundation. And again, his name is Michael uh, Timothy. So two first names, but that's his name, Michael Timothy, and the John Nordlum. N-O-R-D-L-U-M 5-0 Foundation. But it's just neat, though, when stuff like that survives, because you always wonder, like, what happened to these cars? I mean, I know you've, you've, you've uh, done on your uh, My Car Story with Lou, you've done um, Batmobiles of various iterations. Have you ever done any other cars that appeared in, in, uh, in TV shows? Um, well, uh, Volo Auto Museum has a few cars and that's a great place to go with the family because it's not just a car guy's place but uh, they have five different buildings and they've got the cat in the hat movie car and they've got other movie cars um the batmobile number one there's actually as i understand it there were like five batmobiles and some of the other ones were uh specific like it might have a bat ram where it pops up in the front of the car and it goes through a door but number one was uh sold out at Barrett Jackson, yeah, like four, by four, 
4.2 or whatever it was, yeah. plus the fee, which you always want to add, the I extra 400000 yeah. that it puts on there. Right. I always tell people it's 4.6, and they're like, no, yeah. it's 4.2. I'm like, well, just think, 10%. I don't know if, I don't know about you, but $400,000 is a lot of money to me. It's not so, chump change. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, some, some cars that uh, uh, have been in uh, movies and things like that, but uh, uh, and the generally they have one of those there. Uh, they also have uh, Christine there from the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's uh, um, they've got a couple of Transformers cars there. So they've got some uh, Fast and Furious. They've got some neat cars there. And it's it's just cool, like I said though, when you see you know, I'm glad that somebody had the foresight uh, to want to save and preserve the original car, restore it, mm-hmm. uh, and then the new one, they, the '74, they want to do as well because you know you might just think it's a run of the mill car, but it's just something sinister about it. I mean, McGarrett was this straight up you know, by the book, no-nonsense cop, but he drove this car that was just this cool triple black four-door hardtop 1968 or 1974 Mercury, and it's just, like, totally cool stuff. I mean, I, I just love that. And, and just seeing, because I've watched, you know, I've seen every episode multiple times, and you can tell that, you know, there's there's scenes where he just, like, peels out from the Ileana Palace when he goes out on a call, or he's doing a, a UE in the middle of wherever he is, and you see the rear tire smoking, and sometimes the hubcap flies off. Yeah. And it's just neat stuff, so... I'm, I'm glad that we were able to report on that story. And another thing, too, that uh, we were talking, um, we have to remember that we record some shows before other shows, but our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, when we were talking to him a while back when we were having a meeting here at the Car Guys Report, yes, we do have meetings every now and then. Uh, he, he mentioned a stat that I'm going to talk about right now, and I think you had mentioned this, too, uh, Lou. More Americans are now buying electric cars than manual transmission cars. That's a pretty scary statistic, especially for car guys like you and me and our listeners as well. The numbers are small but significant in the third quarter of 2019. J.D. Power data shows that more Americans bought electric vehicles than chose a manual transmission for their car. About 1.9% of car buyers in the U.S. chose EVs, and only 1.1% chose manual transmissions in a new vehicle that's unbelievable i mean i thought i knew the take rate was low i thought it was about five percent and now they're basically saying 1.1 percent that's scary and it says that the current marketplace still does have a choice there are 40 manual transmission cars available which we have talked about in previous previous episodes a lot of them are low buck uh cars like uh, i believe like a toyota corolla i think hondas you can still get some five speeds in or six speeds but um, 40 manual transmission cars available compared with 16 electric vehicles. So there's way less electric vehicles out there. There's more manual transmissions, and people still aren't choosing, you know, a manual uh, option. And I just wonder, you know, that there's movements out there. There's like save the save the manuals, and you know, the only way to drive is with three pedals and things like that. Where do you think it's going to go? Do you think it's going to just hang on at a fraction of a percent for a while? And there's always demand, at least somewhere somebody wants to have a, a, a five or six speed car, yeah, manual I, car. To answer your question, I think it's going to go. This is my take anyway. I think it's going to go to the point where least of, uh, path of least resistance. We yeah, were talking about that a little bit, and I think that you know people just want to make it easier and driving a manual is you know there's an extra step involved in it mm-hmm. so to speak uh with your left foot um so i just get the feeling that it's easier to drive without that problem and now we're starting to be easier to drive without looking at driving and have it just drive down the yeah, street yeah i think at the sh- i think that's part the, of it the stripes and everything else um people are are you know they talk about distracted driving these days and people are so distracted just in their cars with their infotainment systems their smartphones and everything and you throw uh, a manual transmission into the mix and it's just like you know it's just one less thing they they have to deal with and, and it is a you know i mean i have only two manual transmission cars in my stable and i purposely when i w- bought my corvette when i bought my fiat i wanted a uh automatic on purpose uh partly because i use the fiat as a you know a, a daily driver and you got to admit it's a pain in the butt when you get into like uh backup on the on the expressway and you're inching along at two miles an hour and you, and you have a, a manual and you're inching along, clutch in, clutch out, clutch in, clutch out, you yeah. know, and you get out and your, your calf's the size of, you know, Lou Frigno and the Hulk or yeah. whatever. Um, so there is definitely a, um, a, uh, you know, a, a it, positive it, it, aspect yeah. of having easier. an automatic. Yeah, yeah. It's easier. Just easier. Um, and to that, are you still going to plan on, on letting your son, um, learn to shift on the Viper? <laughs> he, he actually just had his first, um, driver's ed class this weekend. Okay. And, uh, 
I was surprised, at least in his class, when I walked in, there was uh, it was probably three quarter women, one quarter guys. Really? Yeah. So a lot of young ladies in there getting their drivers. And uh, license. you know, I don't have children, and it's been a long time since I've been in high school because obviously, when you and I went to high school, um, you know, driver's ed was part of the curriculum. And as far as I understand, it's not offered necessarily as a part of the curriculum in every high school now. You have to like go outside the, the school to I do know, it yeah i know we're going outside the yeah. school to do it and it's like a 15 weekend course wow. and, and you have different options I yeah mean, we could take one that was much more aggressive but uh you know and that's the other thing these kids today they're they're when they play a sport you and i might have played several sports during the course of a week mm-hmm. now i mean he's playing basketball and we won't go too far into this but he's playing basketball six days a week yeah so, and traveling too, probably with that. And right? traveling, yeah. and and with that said, he's got one day, which is Sunday, to drive to find, <laughs> yeah, to find it. And, and today, this was just sitting in a course, or, you know, classroom, listening to what they have to tell you, which is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, to answer your question, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to get him uh, if I can get him on the channel, uh, my car story with Lou on YouTube, and get him as. Uh, the dad who lets him drive the Viper, <laughs> the Viper. as the as the opening stick shift car. I, I think it. it should be comical. I love it. Remember the, uh, the the driving simulators too that we had in high school, where they actually had like you would sit in this thing that would be almost look like a carnival ride, and yeah. had the steering wheel and the speedometer, and they'd have some cheesy film from like 1962 in front of it, and pretty crazy. I don't think they have those anymore. Well, they have them. They're at Dave and Buster's, and now you oh, yeah, exactly, put, yeah. Now you got to put two bucks in it, and the whole thing leans and shakes <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> That is so cool. Reminiscing here on the Car Guys Report, it's Mark and Lou. Uh, we're at the part of the show where we always like to talk about an interesting car that has either uh, come up for sale or sold various online outlets. We always talk about bring a trailer. Um, this time, this one comes from Hemmings. Uh, great place, as I've said before, if you're ever looking for a specialty vehicle. Uh, great place to start just to see what's out there. It's a, a worldwide um, classified uh, uh, marketplace on Hemmings. And a great place is to see what people are asking for uh, price-wise. And this one, I don't know if it's sold or not because this is a, a, a couple months ago because I, I collect a lot of these things and then bring them onto the show as as we move along. But this is a 19... This is kind of considered the somewhat the redheaded stepchild in the Ferrari family, Lou, the 1982 Ferrari Mondial Coupe. And it was kind of just a... I mean, it was a neat car because it was V8 mid-engine, and, but it was a four-seater. So that, that's the thing that really kind of kills it. It's got kind of an awkward roof line in the back. Uh, they've kind of just languished for a long time. They made a convertible version and, uh, and a, uh, a hardtop version of it. Um, they're interesting cars. Um, but this one was being uh, sold, I mean, asking price of 19950 which is pretty good. Even if it needs a little bit of work, that's a pretty low uh, entry point for a true Ferrari. It's got 71,000 miles on it. It's in, of course, red, tan interior. Comes with a clean Carfax, equipped with five-speed manual transmission, air-conditioning, power windows, solid wheels, includes a spare tire. Says an excellent original car and a great opportunity, like I just said, to climb into Ferrari ownership at a great price. So 19950 even if you had to spend another 10 or 12 grand to, to, to get it into shape, that's still not too bad. If you could get into a real Ferrari, I mean, this thing's still still got a V8 in it. It's still mid-engine. It's a neat car. And I think that Mondials are slowly starting to come up and be recognized as, you know, either a good entry-level car or a car that really wasn't that bad. Maybe the styling wasn't that great, but it's got hideaway headlights. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a neat car, and it's period correct from the early 80s. It just has that look. You know, it's got the strakes on it and stuff like that. So, But 19950 that was on um, Hemming. So, again, if, like I said, if you're looking for that, uh, anything in the car collector world, Hemmings is a, um, a great place to, uh, to start. Have you ever done a Mondial on, on – uh, on your channel? I haven't. Because, you really? Because the Ferrari, that's a, no, I, I, I was going to have something smart to say, but. Um, I, know, I think you know, I think I know where you were going with that too. Yeah, so. I'm going to pull back. So, <laughs> so first of all, you know, anytime you can get a Ferrari, a Corvette, um, and not any Corvette, uh, I like to try to get something that's a little more unique, yeah. maybe a little limited. Not my quite boring C4. Well, if there's something that's that has some limited for some reason or another and, and uh, makes it interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. The uh, uh, I don't have one on the channel. And um, sometimes uh, when you go to a car show, if that was available and other cars aren't available that are 
potentially more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, especially one like that. I mean, it's pretty clean and yeah. Uh, and I, the other thing too about um, you know the uh, the Mondial, um, you know, an entry level type of uh, car like that is. Um, you know, you were talking, and I lost my train of thought. So it's a senior well, I'll, senior I'll, moment I'll, here. You can I'll, you can talk, I'll and I'll I'll while, try to get my you, my, you my get thought back, back on track here. But but the thing with the car is is uh, to your point, it's a Ferrari. It's got vents behind the door. Uh, it has some nice pop up headlights. It has some styling features. It's got the look, even though it's not the best look. And, and think about this. When you're driving down the highway or the street, nobody's going to know what it is. No, exactly. And that, that gets back to my point. The train has arrived back at the memory station here. Uh, back in 82, Ferraris were still pretty limited production vehicles. You know, now Ferrari is cranking out eight, nine, ten thousand cars a year, which is still limited, but not anything like they used to be and i don't know what total production was on mondials year to year but it couldn't be more than a couple thousand at best mm -hmm. i think yeah and so like you say no one's going to know what it is yeah and you, you know you're if you're a car person you're going to be at the light staring at it because you're going to say ferrari hmm that's interesting yeah so so yeah i i uh on a sincere note i mean it's you know they're 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 Italian cars. They're all kind of cool. They're all kind of sexy. Yeah, sure, so. sure. See, even my Fiat Five Hundred is a, a little 500. a sexy little Italian car in one way or another. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and we certainly hope that you do, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. That's a new one. It's an Opi show. Uh, Minutia Men's Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern have now spun off a new podcast and i saw those gentlemen uh, just a couple days ago uh, along with tony lasano their interviews often delve into the lesser known details of well-known celebrities or examinations into celebrities that aren't as well known fun compelling and memorable it's the minutia men celebrity interview it's uh, available on the radio misfits podcast network all you have to do is go to opishows.com online wherever you find podcasts just search for Radio Misfits and you'll get in touch with all the great Radio Misfits uh, programs like the one you're listening to right now the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable and one of the things that uh, I know our listeners enjoy are the lists that we come up with and uh, they they pop up in various places. A lot of them are done by the major car magazine publishers. This one comes from Road and Track, and this is one that we're splitting into two again because it's a list of about 20 different cars. So we'll do part two in the uh, next episode of the Car Guys Report. But for this one, Lou, it's 1960s best sports cars. Now, that's a, a pretty deep uh, well of, of uh, vehicles that you could pick from. And I'll just start reading off a couple of them. It says 1960s, and this is one thing I just noticed. This one, unless it was right at the very end, they have the BMW 2002 listed. Now, I know that that started out as, uh, I think, like an 1800 or something like that. And then when it actually became the 2002, it might have started, I think, in 69 is what I want to say. So that's why that one eked in. Of course, the uh, BMW 2002, probably more well-known as a early 70s into the mid-70s. I think they made it up to about 76. It's a little like a bathtub. Yeah, great it? car. Just a three-box design. Yeah, real squarish, but they've, they've made several different iterations of it. And the one that you really want to try to find is the, the TII. It was turbocharged and injected and just a, a neat car. I've always, always had a, a soft spot for the BMW 2002. Here's one that I know you'll enjoy, uh, Lou, the Ford GT40. Mm, well, yeah, that's... In the 60s, yeah. How about the MGB? Have you ever had any um, experience with MGBs? You know, I got a neat MGB on the on the channel that has a V8 in it. Okay. Someone yeah, people do that, that yeah. And uh, that made it interesting, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> got to uh, modify that front suspension a little bit, too, I think, to yeah. take the extra yeah, weight. But no uh, a little nose-heavy. But, yeah, the MGB, that that's deservingly um, a classic. The Alfa Romeo Giulia which was the forerunner okay. to the GTV, which we saw in the 70s. That's a beautiful car, uh, good collector value. They're, they're holding on pretty pretty strongly. Uh, a couple of these I'm not real familiar with because sometimes as well, so me, many of these lists that we do here. I know here, we've got two lists, Yeah, but let me take a few guesses. Okay. Uh, Cor a Corvette, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, it's on. It's on is there. On list two. It's on list two, yeah. I'm curious to see if, if uh, since we said Ford GT... Uh, GT40, if they um, put, uh, would they possibly put the Corvair in there? 
uh, the, you know, uh, the Don Yanko Corvair, where they made a hundred of those, and they were. Little, I don't know if they're considering race, that to be a sports race car. Rockets. Yeah, it's. I don't see it on the list. No. Okay. That's a good. That's a very good point, though. That's a good one. Yeah, the Yanko. The Yanko. Or just a Corvair sting, Monza the Yanko, Spider. Yanko Stingers, or yeah, the, uh, or just a Monza Spider yeah, the Turbo. Monza spider. Yeah. Spider with a turbo. Okay, so I'm trying to think sports car. I mean, obviously, we're not talking muscle car here. We're talking truck. But again, the sports car, you know, moniker okay. can be kind of, you know, the way they do it. I mean, to me, a so, true sports car is a car with two seats. So but they, a lot uh, of these have four seats in so, them. So. Okay, so now that we're expanding, so they put the Mustang in there. Yeah, that's on there. And then they put the the Cougar in there. The Cougar is not on there. Okay, so they they figured if we there's got a couple the Mustang, you'll never get, like okay, the one, ahead. but yeah, the next one, the next one, and this is uh, this is the one that I'm I'm not real familiar with the way it looks. It's the Alfa Romeo 33 Stradale, which was uh, you know some European thing that okay. maybe uh, uh, Johnny Weinberger owns one. I don't know, but okay. you might have to look and pull the curtain up on his collection and see what happens. Yeah. The Aston DB5, that's a classic. That's okay, the, yeah, the classic James Bond car. How about the original Lotus Elan? Mm. That little fiberglass bodied thing that yeah. weighed about fourteen hundred pounds. Reminds me of like a like a surf car. Yeah, you know, it looks like you put the surfboard on the back of it and drive. It's it a neat car though. Oh, yeah. oh no, you're thinking of you're thinking of the um, Lotus Europa, oh, that's the bread box. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be where you put the surfboards. Yeah, but the the Elan was the the little. It's a pretty narrow. And they're they're a good looking car, definitely identifiable as a Lotus because of its size and mm-hmm. obviously its weight. Uh, the Mini Cooper was a, a classic, uh. and and I said that's not really a sports car. That's what I wrote on my notes here. I don't know if you would deem that to really be a sports car. I, I guess it'd be a little rally car. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I could see it being a rally car. And we just got done talking about Hawaii Five O. And this is one of the coolest things that the ever. Mercury Marquis. No, not that car. one, Lou. Not that one. But this <laughs> it was actually in, in the first one of the episodes of the first season. Is they had a scene where one of the people that McGarrett is going after actually drives a Toyota 2000 GT, which mm. was that incredibly beautiful sports car, very limited production that they made for like a year or two, and. Those things go for like four hundred grand now. I mean, they're just beautiful cars, super rare, and just seeing it in, in an episode of Y Five O was just amazing. But I'm glad that made the list because that is a beautiful car. Yeah, I've never seen one in the flesh. I've just seen pictures, but and I, I do have one of those on the do channel. Do you? It's a great one. I didn't have an owner next to it, and I said I'm videoing you, it. Anyway. Really? Yeah. So, so were you walking around going, okay, let's look under the hood here? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't didn't crack open the door. Or go and I'm trying to remember. What, there's a, a James Bond movie, too, with Sean Connery. It's one of the early ones, and I can't remember which one it is. I, I don't know if it's Dr. No or, or – no, Dr. No is the very first one. It's not that one. It's it's one of the Gold, first, Gold like – Goldfinger or something Not like Goldfinger, I don't think. It's one of the first, like, three or four where they're dri- where he's driving a Toyota 2000 GT, but it's a convertible – and I, if I remember the history right, I don't think Toyota ever made an actual convertible. I think either it was converted by the factory for the movie or they were very limited production. They only made like five of them or something well, like that. Small but cars. They are small cars, I mean, but they're you, just gorgeous. You, you're pretty tall. You wouldn't fit in it. Are you, well, I think if I... If we folded you like a yeah, pretzel, if someone gave me one, I'd say, "Hey, I'll fit in it, <laughs> one way or another. I'm yeah. I'm fitting into this car." But they're gorgeous cars. So that's the first half of the list. Lou actually kind of was a spoiler there with a couple of his guesses, but we'll get to the uh, second part of yeah. Road and Tracks 1960s best sports cars in the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I see another parts delivery man waiting outside the front door of the Car Guys Report warehouse. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a second. Lozano and friends. Did you guys yes. know that Family Guy is a very smart show? No. Uh. South Park is actually the smartest show. Why? Because it's a very conservative show done yes. in a very liberal manner and there is so much rhetoric. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I know. still disagree that South Park is the smartest show. However, yes, it is smart and <laughs> that it fools a lot of people into thinking that it's funny and or that it, it is that it is making fun of everything. Okay, I, out of the things. four shows, South Park, yes. Simpsons, yes. Family Guy, and Flintstones, yes. which is a smart show. Hold on, why Lasano <laughs> and friends, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <clears throat> a lot of anchors do that. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, it's a thing. <clears throat> 
Are you ready? Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Let's do good. it again. What? That wasn't good. No, we messed it all up. What's wrong? What? How? It was going good, and then it went south. No, it didn't. Well, if that went south, get, see what happens now. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I need an agent. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. I know I talk about Aston Martins all the time, Lou, and it gets a little tiring, but... I, I came across this in uh, Car and Driver magazine. You may have seen it as well because I know you get that uh, that magazine as well. Uh, Aston, one of the uh, luxury performance uh, high-end supercar type manufacturers that makes basically very high-performance GT Grand Touring type cars, and they're hanging on with the manual transmission. Um, you know, they're, they're still offering a manual in some of their cars, more than they used to. But uh, this was actually, uh, from Car and Driver, this is a short take on the new 2020 Aston Martin Vantage AMR. And they were actually kind of panning the seven-speed manual in this car. Um, partly because a seven-speed has this weird, like, dog leg where it's, like, first gear is, like, down. And t- I think it's to down and to the left, or, or over to the left and down, and then to get into the regular pattern then you go up second third fourth fifth sixth seventh Uh, to me seven speed seems too much i know porsche makes uh seven speed manual gearboxes too that seems like too many i think six is like the perfect uh amount of 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 stick you know speeds that you need in a manual seven seems a little weird especially because you got to have that awkward shift pattern but what they um said as an aside here on a sidebar to the article i'll read it uh word for word here says the vantage amr isn't the only car that Aston is offering with a manual. And we have talked about this before on the, on the program. I just wanted to bring it up again because it's interesting, their take on it. The company will build you another model with a clutch pedal. Aston Martin Works, which is their factory kind of uh, skunk work slash customization, you know, builds customer dreams kind of things, does a steady business putting manual gearboxes into the original Vanquish. Uh, Launched in 2001, the Vanquish came with a slow-shifting and clunky automated manual transmission. Fortunately, it's based on a Tremec manual gearbox, so converting it is straightforward. The electromechanical actuators are replaced with shift linkage. The automated clutch is swapped for a conventional setup, and a third pedal goes in. Works has now done about 70 cars, including 20 for owners in the U.S., the conversion costs about $31,500 wow. plus shipping. And considering a nice Vanquish trades for around $60,000, you could make a strong case for going the conversion route instead of buying a new Vantage AMR. And my aside to this, Lou, is the fact that, okay, this Vantage AMR, it's a nice car. It's only, it, it's got the four liter twin turbo uh, V8, which is derived from the Mercedes Benz four liter V8 because Aston Martin is using Mercedes Benz engines in a lot of their cars now. But you could also get a car like my Aston Martin. You could get a 2002 or a 2003 DB7 Vantage with a V12 naturally aspirated and find one like I did with a manual transmission. Granted, they're harder to find with the manuals, but it's a Tremec T56 six-speed manual. It's got everything ready to go, and that you can get one for about $35,000. So, so it's way cheaper. <laughs> You can either take your car, send it off for $31,000, or buy a car with the V12. Yeah, you can spend hundred grand on a new one with the V8 for Mercedes, or oh. save $70,000 and get into a used one, which I think has a little bit more panache because it's a V12. And, you know, they always say V12s have the sound that you just, you know, you, you, you can't forget. So Well, the challenge there is that when you are buying your new Aston Martin. <laughs> Which I do every money. other year, right? <laughs> so, you know, money then, I guess, becomes not as big a deal. So Of course not. Go, ah, the extra 40, Plus there's the cachet. Extra 40000 for the manual. There's the cachet, it. too, that you could say, like, well, I sent my Aston Martin over to the works in England, and they took out the uh, automated manual and put in a regular manual, and I'm poorer for it, but I've got a very cool car. Exactly. So. But it's amazing they've done 70 of them, which is, you know, that's some nice, you know, do the math, 70 times 31,000. You know, that's a nice little uh, side industry for a, a smaller manufacturer yeah, like, like uh, Aston Martin. If you like listening to the Car Guys Report here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, we certainly appreciate 
appreciate you listening. And when you do, please subscribe to our podcast. You'll get an automatic notification when there's new information, a new show on the podcast. It happens about once a week. And you can also take some time to rate our show as well. Uh, we've got some nice uh, ratings on Apple Podcasts so far. We could certainly use a few more. We would certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh, give us a nice rating on Apple Podcasts. You can get uh, find uh, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. All you have to do is go to to opishows.com and you can search for Radio Misfits on Google. You can also search for The Car Guys Report. We're everywhere on the uh, internet, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And remember, the best thing about any podcast available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is it's totally free and it's listening at your convenience. You can rewind, replay, you can go back and re-listen to previous episodes. You can move forward, you can skip around, and whatever device, whether it's a smartphone, a tablet, a laptop, your desktop you can do it in your car it's listening on your terms that's what uh, podcasting is all about it's all part of the radio misfits podcast network and it's what we do right here on the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with lou costable we're at that point in the show where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, lou's popular youtube channel called my car story with lou we play the uh, my car story with lou guessing game where lou will uh, give me three uh, cars that he has featured on his um, YouTube channel, and I have to try to guess which car had the highest number of views. And sometimes I'm right on, and sometimes I'm totally off. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. So, so you, just for the record, he hasn't seen any of these. Just like you are listening, you can make your guesstimate in the one, two, and three level. And just a reminder as well, this is my channel, which means if you watch somebody else's channel, these numbers could be completely different. But I'll give you the three cars in order. So by age, uh, the oldest first, uh, a 1936 Bentley VDP Open Tour RS Series Model 4.5. Wow, do they fit all that on the back end? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's all there. And it's uh, abbreviating VDP Vandenplas. <laughs> exactly. Then the next one is a 1970 Dodge Charger RT in blue with a 426 Hemi. Okay. And the last one is an 85 Mercury Capri Motorsports Prototype with the 5.0. So I'm going over those. I'm going all over the board on these three. So a 36 Bentley VDP Open Tour RC Series Model 4.5. Is that a big, uh, like, Phaeton type car with a convertible, like, the mile long it has, 1930s it has, cars it that has are just an enormous? Open top yeah. To it, yeah. And a 1970 Dodge Charger RT with a Hemi, and then an 85 Mercury Capri Motorsports prototype. And that's based on the Fo- Fox Body Mustang, that right? Is, yeah. yeah. I want to go with the Bentley just because it's so odd, but I just think people don't pay attention to that. So I'll go for the, the Motorsports Capri first. Then the Bentley, then the Charger. Okay. So the winner of that is your number three car is the Charger with the Hemi. Really? Yeah. So that wow, was see, I blew one. that one. And that was 7,592 huh. views. Why do you think? In the same t- and, and I want to add, in this, these are all stacked together, which means that these cars aren't like one was done in 2019 and one was done in 2016. Yeah. These are all three cars in the same week. So they're all stacked huh. during a week. Uh, probably uh, several weeks ago, and uh, just how they came out. In third place is the Bentley. Really? So okay, yeah. Right. So yeah. not a lot of people. I was really disappointed with that. I, I thought, well, I said Bentley was second, so I, yeah. I totally got everything wrong. I thought that that I thought that that car was going to do great because yeah. I'm like, how many times do you see a 36 Bentley that you has don't. some some yeah. you know racing Providence? Yeah. And the answer is no. And then uh, that one had 987. Huh. So and in uh, second place was the Mercury prototype yeah. with 1,927. Huh. So it had double the Bentley, and then the Charger had 7,592. And what made it a prototype? Because people throw that uh, word around so so uh, frequently these days. You just kind of wonder, like, well, you could almost call anything a prototype. If it was like a one-off thing that you never saw before, and they didn't put it in production, you could call that a prototype. What, what made this a prototype? So what made it a prototype was a couple of things. Number one, you're absolutely right. It was one of the first ones. And then actually Mercury had a very successful racing history with this car hmm. after this. They, wow. So the colors on the car were kind of iconic. They look like a, a Winston cigarette, uh, kind of a white and red okay. theme to it. So so the car did really, really well that year. I think it was uh, 86 uh, in the racing circuit. 
Uh, and yet the uh, this was the this is the upgraded prototype, and there would be little things that were missing, or you know where they literally took stickers and <laughs> yeah. took them off, put them on, <laughs> kind of thing to show you that this was the early model of that one. And did that have a, the five liter V eight yep. in it? Okay, yep. five It's funny because you don't normally associate mercury. You know, with, the, racing. with racing, and exactly, that's why yeah. this one was so unique, is because it was early. It was their prototype to a car that actually did really well during that season. Huh. It was like just eighty six, eighty seven, yeah. and it had that round bubble back window, yeah. versus uh, the notch back or the uh, the not round back yeah. window of the Ford GT yeah. at that time. It would be a flat, almost kind of a flat glass yeah. with a little spoiler on the back. Huh. This was a big glass with a little baby tail on it cool see that's the kind of stuff you can learn when you go to the youtube channel called my car story with lou because lou has all kinds of very cool uh very interesting uh cars on his channel Sixty thousand subscribers over 1500 videos and uh, we always want to make it part of the uh, car guys report here too because lou is not only my co-host he is the uh creator and host of his own youtube channel my car story with lou Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we'll talk about a Ferrari with some great rock and roll provenance, plus part two of our uh, list there from Road and Track, the best sports cars of the 1960s. That and more on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in and listening to the Car Guys Report. Certainly appreciate you uh, being along for the ride. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and friends. That's us. I'm Kimmy. I'm Sam. And I am Tommy right here. We're going to talk about Florida men. We're going to talk about paranormal stories. We're going to talk about uh, city stuff. Sex talk. Sex talk. And sex talk. And yeah, sex talk will come up. But only if it's brought up. We got to keep that on the DL. So come meet your new friends with and friends on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, radiomisfits.com, and Opie Production. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv.